This is a Culture Inject production. It's Monday, 24th of June, 2019, and this is episode one of the Nevers Podcast. Hello and welcome all to The Nevers Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the discussion and dissection of every episode of upcoming HBO series The Nevers, an original sci-fi drama from the master of storytelling, Joss Whedon. I am Tyke, one of your hosts for this podcast, and with me today is Gina. Hello everyone. Over the coming months, and hopefully years, that we'll be spending with The Nevers, this podcast will be your one-stop shop for all the news, reviews, and increasingly more and more outlandish theories you could ask for. In addition to the weekly reviews, where we'll dissect the episodes themselves and share our thoughts on the latest going on in Victorian London, we'll also be doing newscasts to keep you up to date on all the juicy gossip behind the scenes and make sure you're as informed as you could possibly hope to be. So this is all super, super exciting. And feel free to visit our website, hbothenevers.com. And to follow us on social media, we have a Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at hbothenevers. And you can obviously find our episodes of our podcast online on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all those awesome podcast listening places. And yeah, the reason we created this podcast is, A, we're all obviously obsessed with all of Joss Whedon's works, but... Like Tyke said, we want to be your one-stop shop for everything The Nevers. We are incredibly already passionate about it, even though it hasn't really started yet. But we just want to share our love and our excitement for this awesome show. And we cannot wait until things really start heating up. But before they do, we will discuss everything we know about it so far. This episode, that will be starting with confirmed members of the production crew. We'll then, for a bit of fun, move on and speculate about the powers we believe that Nevers will have, because what's a Joss Whedon show without crazy powers? And finish off discussing whether HBO is the right network for this show to be on. Spoiler warning, we think it is. <laughs> I love it. All right, so let's start with our first topic, the confirmed production crew. So first up is hair and makeup. And that is going to be brought to you by Christine Blundell. And she is an Academy Award winning makeup and hair for the 1999 British musical drama Topsy Turvy. I personally have not seen that film, but that makes me want to go watch it because I love musical dramas. So her credits include the upcoming film The Gentleman that is to be released in 2020. And it's Guy Ritchie directing, and the cast is Hugh Grant, Kate Beckinsale, and Matthew McConaughey. That's a very interesting cast that actually makes me really want to see it. <laughs> but she's also done tons of stuff over the years. Recently, Aladdin, which I personally loved. I know Tay has some opposite feelings about it, but can we agree that the hair and makeup was amazing? <laughs> Excellent. So that's exciting. And she also has done Wonder Woman, which is great. A uh, film I personally loved. And again, I think the hair and makeup was incredible, especially since it was sort of a period piece. It, was all, it all looked very authentic, which is a, an excellent nod in her direction. Exactly. I know. I, I feel like sometimes people think hair and makeup artists, it's all about, oh, were there fancy hair and makeup in the film or the TV show? But the most important thing is, does it look natural? Does it fit 
exactly what the film is trying to do. Is it distracting? And I think, I even think just based off these two credits, she's amazing. But she's also done Casino Royale, Sunshine, which is a film that Chris Evans stars in. He's phenomenal. She's done Robert Downey Jr.'s Sherlock Holmes, which I definitely, obviously feel like this film is going to be looking like. I mean, I'm sorry, this TV show is going to be looking like, obviously, Victorian London-y. Uh, she's done The Fifth Estate, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Mr. Turner, which is a very indie film about this painter that I loved, Paddington 1 and 2, and Kingsman The Secret Service. So I feel like if you combine all of those films together, I feel like that's a perfect look for what Joss Whedon is going for. Very much so. I think she's really placed quite well, and she's going to doing good work here. If she can be half as good on this as she was on Sherlock Holmes, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, because I love how Sherlock Holmes looks like. I love Irene's hair and I love her makeup. And yeah, that's so that's super great that she's a part of this. And obviously, I always have to call out if a woman is working in part of the production crew, that's a plus because we always need more of that. You'll see quite a few more of those names as we scroll down this list. Yes, which is amazing. It is. So that is a little bit about Christine Blundell. And again, super cool that someone of her caliber that does a lot of films is willing to do a television show. And if anything, that shows you how much Joss Whedon is really caring about the production value of this show. The second name on the list, another lady, is Gemma Jackson, who is in charge of production design. She is Oscar nominated for Finding Neverland and has actually won an Emmy for her work on the now-deceased juggernaut Game of Thrones. She also worked on Finding Neverland and, in fact, she worked with our previous hire on Aladdin. Production Production designer is a really interesting position because in much the same way that a director shapes sort of the action, a production designer really shapes the look of the film. So it's quite good to know she's working with someone that she's been with before. They'll Hopefully they work well together. They can really shape this world into what hopes to be quite a quite an intriguing uh, location. They, they, yeah, yeah, it, 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 oh no, it's interesting that they have worked together. That's That's amazing. Obviously, you don't always get that when you're going on to a new project. So hopefully they will be on the same page. Hopefully they will communicate well to have a more uniform look. And it seems like she's done, um, she did the production design for John Adams, which again, I personally feel like the more experience that the crew has with period pieces, the better. Mm. There's nothing worse than when you're in a piece, like a sort of a real old school feeling show like this, and you see things, especially in, you know, the sets, in, you know, maybe on tables where you see Starbucks mugs, that just takes completely <laughs> out of the action so knowing that we have a production designer who has worked a lot in king arthur in john adams game of thrones they're all very period pieces hopefully this will really speak to her ability to capture that old school feel and really drag you in and again the fact that she's a woman is always a plus (laughs) it's very important nowadays especially on a big tv show like this for there to be representation on and off the camera and again super super exciting all right so 
The next crew member that we'll talk about is the director of photography or the cinematographer. And I'm very, very excited about this person. As soon as I found out it was them, I, I probably screamed. That's how happy I was. Um, but it is Seamus McGarvey. He was Oscar nominated for 2007's Atonement, which is probably one of my favorite films, and 2012's Anna Karenina, which I personally haven't seen, but he won the British Society of Cinematographers Award for that film. Other credits include 2012's The Avengers, which is also one of my favorite films. And hopefully you guys have maybe heard of it. It was kind of like a small indie thing. (laughs) (laughs) He also did Bad Times at the El Royale, which I personally have seen recently. Uh, Drew Goddard directed that, which is also another Joss Whedon-y person. Drew Goddard wrote on Buffy and Angel and co-wrote Cabin in the Woods and directed Cabin in the Woods. And that also Bad Times at the El Royale also starred Chris Hemsworth. So please watch it if you haven't. Sort of kind of weed anything, very strange, but the cinematography was absolutely gorgeous. It was a visually very stunning film. Yes. So many shots, I'm like, oh my god, I just want to like live in this world. Um, he's also done The Greatest Showman, again, another visually beautiful film. Yeah, he's probably one of my favorite cinematographers, so super, super exciting. What are your thoughts? on Seamus McGarvey. It's interesting to note that he has worked with Joss before, so it, it does seem quite a lot like Joss is, much like a certain Nick Fury rounded up his pals in the Avengers, Joss is rounding up groups of people he's worked with before to really ensure that this film is, like, this, sorry, this series is as good as he can possibly put out. And that really fills me with a lot of hope. And there's a pattern here where Seamus McGarvey usually just does films. So he's usually just the DP for films. So again, it's amazing and fascinating that he's cool with coming on and doing a television show. So that almost makes me think maybe this show will be extremely cinematic, much more than your average television show, which is probably in the same vein of Game of Thrones, Honestly, I mean, HBO really do know how to nail that kind of grand cinematic feel. Even when they're just doing TV shows, it feels like a movie. And the fact that he's really assembled an A-list Hollywood cast of people behind the scenes, really, like, you can see where he's going with this, and it's going somewhere quite special. And the cinematographer, director of photography, however you want to title it, same thing, basically helps the director... They could potentially help come up with shots, the camera movement, does the camera pan left to right, does it tilt up or down, does it zoom in, zoom out, where do the shots start, does it sh- do? Does the shot start like at the top and we're looking down on someone, is it a low angle looking up on someone, so the director of photography is extremely important on how obviously... Uh, everything is shot because they're the ones to do it. And knowing Joss Whedon, he he definitely plans out his shots beforehand. Um, but I think the Avengers and their, their teamwork together was just so perfect that I don't see how 
it won't be perfect again for this new television show. Indeed, that shot in during the Battle of New York, I'm sure you oh my God. know which one I'm thinking of, <laughs> yes. where the camera pans around them as they all kind of oh. go into their ready poses. Hands down, one of the greatest shots in recent cinematic oh. history. Just perfect. It is so perfect. And, and almost to the point where there's more epic shots in Infinity War and Endgame, but that shot in the first Avengers, to me, still captures more of the team feeling than anything I've seen personally in any other Marvel film. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know? <laughs> I think that shot is a kind of a distillation. That is the moment they become the Avengers. Yes. They stop being heroes working together and become a team. And I'm really hoping, maybe not in the, probably won't be in the first episode, but it'll, knowing Joss, it'll probably be in either the penultimate or the finale episode of season one. Yes. I hope we get a scene like that where the characters stop being powered women working together and become the nevers yes oh i haven't even thought of that you're so right because <laughs> that's a cool thing too joss whedon is so great with teams of people so when he was first announced to do the avengers i'm like i mean there's no one else that could do this first avengers half as good as him because that's his thing obviously in buffy obviously in angel and firefly and everything he's done in dollhouse there's a group of people and there's group dynamics so again it's important to have a cinematographer that understands how to evoke emotion when it comes to groups of people and uh, again i was i was freaking out with happiness when Seamus mcgarvey was announced because even if they hadn't worked together before, I would be so happy, but they have, which makes it even better. Because clearly, you know, the Avengers was successful, you know, uh, clearly they understand, <laughs> they understand how to work together and bring about the emotions that Joss wants to bring about. And that's also very important, especially with a group of people. So oh, I could talk about this for hours. I love the cinematography of the Avengers. It's just perfect. While there have obviously been grander films in the MCU since then, I, I would still put Avengers Assemble as in probably top three MCU films just for the emotion that it evokes. And if they, if Shameless can get half of that into this film, into the series, it's going to be spectacular. Yeah, again, I know we, we keep repeating it, but the fact that they're they're taking people that have worked on films together into a TV show, it's amazing. And I'm sure that's happened before in TV shows, but since when has there been such a mainstream film? Like, if you told me five years ago, like, oh, the director and writer of Avengers and the cinematographer are going to work together in a TV show, I wouldn't believe you. So, super exciting. And then when you throw in Jane Espenson, it's, what more could you ask for? Exactly. I love Jane. She's obviously also one of my favorite writers. And yeah, uh, I can't. I can't. It's so exciting. It's almost like they have some kind of superpowers. And speaking of superpowers. Yes. Awful segue that's three. Um, I think we should move on to topic two, where we speculate on the, the powers that the Nevers may themselves hold. The Nevers is an epic science fiction drama about a gang of Victorian women who find themselves with unusual abilities. The question becomes, how unusual and what will those abilities be? Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, it's always fascinating. I, I'm also a writer. 
I have been published with the novella and I'm currently writing screenplays and I always think about what kind of powers can you show that haven't been there before or if they have existed before, how can you show them in a unique way? So that's obviously always a challenge because powers have been <laughs> involved with comic books and, and stories since like the beginning of time. So I'm really curious how Joss is going to go about this, especially because of the word unusual ability. So is it going to be powers that we've seen him do before with a twist? Is it going to be powers like someone has two powers combined? So that makes it unique. What What is that unusual piece about it? I think one place where he's really left himself a lot of room to work, which is slightly different to his usual approach, is now he's got, instead of having a single linchpin character that has powers surrounded by a team that's complement them in different ways, they have a whole team all with separate powers. This will hopefully allow him to really branch out and give us, there'll be the standard powers. I, I assume there's going to be one sort of Slayer-esque character with increased strength, speed, martial arts skill, that sort of thing. There'll probably be a super intelligent character who hopefully will construct giant steampunk monstrosities. Yes. <laughs> but then given that it's a group, I'm hoping he will then throw in a few powers that are, to, qu to quote the... Uh, official worry a little unusual <laughs> yeah and i actually love how you said that um there should be someone that's super intelligent almost like almost like the giles or the wesley of the group just to if they have to fight supernatural beings there should be someone that knows a little more than the rest of the group or can start the research process if that's how the show is going to go it's so fascinating on the rest of the powers like, is someone else going to have the ability maybe to see the future? Kind of harking back on, like, Drusilla or Cordelia and Buffy and Angel. But then maybe there's a twist on that or something. Because maybe she also has another power along with it. One really great angle to go with the sort of the foretelling and the foresight is sort of the, the um, Legends of Cassandra and that she was blessed with foresight but her curse was that no one would ever believe her prophecies. So like someone who she sees things that can happen in the future, but she's like, she's never hundred percent sure they're going to play out exactly as that she sees them. Right. I personally love characters that can do that. Cause that also helps the story and the plot potentially move along. But knowing Joss, he never does the same thing twice. Or if he does, he puts a unique spin on it. So yeah, that could be really cool. One power I've always been quite fond of, and knowing HBO and the kind of budget they throw at their TV shows, it is quite possible they could do this, will be some kind of shape-shifting character. Either a more sort of druidic animal form type ability, or more sort of kind of a more stealth-based, like shape-shifting the tables and lamps and things. Again, they have the budgets, and that's such an interesting thing to think about. Like, when you give Joss Whedon a huge budget, what can happen? And we've seen it in films, but I'm so curious in a TV show. So yeah, uh, shape-shifting would be amazing. One of my favorite X-Men characters is Mystique, so I'm all about that power. Can't fault that choice. Yeah, unusual abilities. Again, it's going to be very exciting to see what they come up with because if anyone could come up with 
new superpowers that we haven't seen before or have seen before, but make it even cooler, it would be Joss Whedon and Dana Spenson for sure. One power that I feel always get, it always gets thrown in, but it never gets utilized, in my opinion, to its peak is uh, photographic reflexes. Characters like uh, Taskmaster from Marvel or that lady that no one ever remembers from the fourth season of Heroes that no one ever remembers. <laughs> someone that can see someone do something and then from that point on copy that action. Cool. It's a, it's a great power for combat, obviously, but it also has innumerable uses in sort of espionage and sneaking around and cop and um, shadowing people. I know. And, and again, that this the series is explained as a science fiction show. So there definitely needs to be some aspects of that. So I could totally see some really cool time power like that. It would be interesting to throw in some kind of technomancer, given how it's Victorian based. The technology will be quite rudimentary, but someone who can then kind of utilize that and possibly create technology that wouldn't already exist in that period. Ooh, I love that. That could potentially be the the Giles Wesley character. Indeed. Oh, so many possibilities. We could honestly talk for hours about <laughs> different powers that we would love to be in this show. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I have the distinct suspicion that we could talk for days about this and still somehow Joss would find a way to surprise us with at least exactly. one of his abilities. Exactly. And that's probably one of my favorite things about him as a writer and a creator is that when you watch episodes of his or films of his, you're like, how did he think of that? Because again, we've seen everything when it comes to stories, yet he somehow makes it unique in his own take, which is insane. So I know it wasn't his most popular film, but still, my one of my favorite things he's done is Cabin in the Woods. The way oh, he so perfectly dissected the horror genre still yeah. just baffles me to this day. You go in expecting one thing, it looks so generic to start with, and then suddenly that second act twist hits and you're just flawed. And I'm really hoping he can do the same thing with sci-fi drama, which I feel has become a little stale of late. Yeah, I personally love Cabin in the Woods. I, I've seen it so many times. And again, what else could people do with the horror genre? And luckily, it, the past recent years, there have been a lot of great horror films that have redefined the horror genre. But at that time, everything had gone kind of generic. And again, I love the fact that it's called The Cabin in the Woods. It's a generic title. The posters <laughs> the posters are pretty cool. But again, it's, it's a cabin, right? So I almost feel like Cabin in the Woods is a horror film to end the horror film genre because you can't watch horror films the same way after Cabin in the Woods. And again, it's just impossible that he just takes these genres and, and makes it the best they could be or the most unique they can be. And like you said... It's great that he's doing science fiction, because what can he do with that? Hopefully amazing things. Yes. And of course, this show is coming soon, and it's coming to HBO, a network who rocketed from relative obscurity sort of 10, 15 years ago, and just got hit after hit after hit with Sopranos, and then somewhat with True Blood, and then just exploded with Game of Thrones. Joss seems to think that it's the perfect home for the Nevers. Yes. So, 
an official statement released by HBO, Josh shared his excitement to be working with them. And he said, I honestly couldn't be more excited. I can't imagine a better home for the Nevers than HBO. Not only are they the masters of cinematic long form, but their instant understanding of my odd, intimate epic was as emotional as it was incisive. It's been too long since I created an entirely new fictional world, and the HBO team offer not just scope and experience, not just prestige, but a passionate collaboration. I could go on, but I'm impatiently grateful to say I have work to do. <laughs> that's such a great that's, <laughs> again always so eloquently said but i'm sorry for saying this but i'm personally not a fan of game of thrones however i understand how important it is to the progression of television and how great television can be i understand the incredible production scope and the acting and the way it's made with all of that said I definitely think HBO is a perfect show. And I believe the other option was Netflix, which I think would have been great too. However, I feel like HBO still obviously has the leg up when it comes to producing a massive television show. And I feel like Joss has been in the industry long enough. Maybe him and HBO have talked before, but now is the perfect time, especially since they're looking for something else to follow Game of Thrones to be their next massive hit. And no offense, I can't think of anyone else to bring that to them than Joss Whedon. Indeed, there are a few other shows vying for that crown. But the fact that it's been so long since Joss has put out a TV show and the fact that he's working with HBO, who are such a huge network, I just I can't think of any... like. No one's going to come close to that. And I love his description of it as, as an odd, intimate epic. Those are three words you don't often see added together. Yes. But knowing HBO's history for producing quite offbeat shows, and let's face it, taking quite large risks, no one could have predicted Game of Thrones would be as big as it was. But they took the chance, and more importantly, they invested the money. I've seen so many fantasy shows that have great starting and then people are walking around with polystyrene swords wearing you know coats they brought from home and it, it's <laughs> right. part. for a show that sounds as epic as this show is laying up to be we really need a, a network that are willing to put in the time the effort and the budget to really make it the best it can possibly be and while i do think netflix would have they would have given it their all I, I just I haven't seen them do anything quite as large as this is lining up to be. And I just exactly. think HBO had that small edge. Exactly. That's that's such a good point. Again, HBO has experience with bringing the biggest show on television uh, to life. And and this is just a, a, a geeky, hopeful thing that I hope for. Um, Joss needs to win more Emmys. Um, so... I definitely think HBO not only will push the show advertising wise in general, so a lot of, a large audience could watch it more than probably Netflix, but B, I really need him to win a writing and directing Emmy. I, I can't think of anyone else who deserves an award of that style more than him. It's ridiculous that he hasn't. Exactly. I definitely think HBO could help him do that only because Obviously, Game of Thrones has won so many Emmys. Clearly, the voters in the industry respect HBO in that sense. 
this is this might finally be the time for Joss Whedon to get the Emmys that he has deserved. Indeed. I think a lot of people sort of forget or possibly don't know that a lot of who wins the Emmy is decided behind doors in boardrooms by people who watch yes. the shows and then decide which one they prefer. And his previous work, while it's had huge fan bases, hasn't had the push behind it that it needs to secure the big award wins. HBO have shown that not only are they capable of producing amazing TV shows, they're capable of supporting them to make sure they get the recognition both from the viewers and from the people behind the doors that decide who gets the awards. Exactly. So already, you know, in a way, since it's being produced by HBO, that there's going to be a big Emmy push. And we haven't even seen a second of this show, but just knowing, especially because of Game of Thrones, that anything they produce from now on, they're going to try to do that. It's very exciting for me as a Joss Whedon fan. I'm sure you feel the same way. Mm. I've I've heard the phrase magnum opus used a few times. And as well as just being a particularly fun phrase to say, magnum opus. (laughs) It conjures up certain images and the thought that two such titans of the television industry as Joss Whedon and HBO could be working together. It really does. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Yeah, it's it's a perfect match. It's an unreal match, like one that, that sounds fake. Like, there's no way that's happening, you know? <laughs> of course. Now, the next thing is, we know what it's about. We know a few people that are going to be in it. We know who's making it. We know where we can watch it. The next question is, of course, when can we watch it? The answer to that is, we don't know. HBO (laughs) has not announced or even hinted at a release date for the Nevers. But as that's not ever stopped us before, why will it stop us now? I keep referencing it, but if we look at Game of Thrones to try and work out a rough schedule we're looking at here, Game of Thrones would film from July to December and then air in April. The Nevers will start filming in February 2020, so anything before summer is unlikely. The, the, the best possible date we can think of is premiering in the fall of 2020, airing through till end of year. I think that's quite a good slot to be airing in because summer is generally not the best time for TV. Getting everyone in around as the weather starts to trail off, I think that's that's a solid slot to be airing in. Yeah, I feel like just the the tone of this show, from what we can gather from everyone that's working on it, it seems like it, it's it seems like a fall show, like like falls slowly starting to get into winter, and this is Victorian London. It just kind of kind of gives me that darker vibe. So fall of 2020 is definitely something I definitely think is likely. And if they're filming through February 2020, since this is a science fiction show, as we've mentioned, I feel like there's going to be visual effects that they have to do. So the editing is probably going to take a while, almost as if it's a big budget film, right? So I definitely don't think it would be ready for a summer release. And I definitely think fall is the winner. However, I hope it's not too late in the fall because I'm already way too impatient and I need to watch it right now. <laughs> I know what you mean. I'm I'm climbing the walls waiting for this show. <laughs> but to paraphrase, to paraphrase uh, a great 
creator, Shigeru Miyamoto, um, a rushed show will never be good. A late show can always be good. So I'd rather they took their time and got it out. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it took, if it spent as long in post-production as it did in filming. And yeah. I, I really want them not to rush to try and get it out and let, let the show come out when it needs to be. I completely agree. I I always prefer films to take longer. Um, kind of off topic, but the next Fantastic Beast film is being way postponed. And, you know, a lot of fans are upset about that. But again, I'd rather them take their time with the script and all the pre-production stuff they have to do than just kind of rush out a film and it's only okay. So I just have to be patient. Mm. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's a virtue, apparently. S- somehow, despite the fact this is our first episode, we already have people contacting us on Twitter because we're amazing. Awesome. So, one of our new fans, one of our, one of our OG fans, Small Seal Seventeen on Twitter writes: Steampunk can be used to tell stories about how pretty the 19th century looked, or to show how awful it actually was to live in. While, of course, both styles can be used. Do you have a preference? Ooh, great question, Small Seal 17. Oh, I I personally hope it's both, actually. And I know that's obviously really hard to do. <laughs> it might be impossible. However, if it just looked awful, or if it just looked pretty, I don't know if it would be an accurate depiction. I guess it really depends on what tone Joss is looking for but I almost imagine it like some scenes depending on the location it looks very extravagant and very pretty and then other scenes if it's in like a dark alleyway it looks very dark and I would personally like both indeed it's always quite fun it it works so well with those sort of Victorian era period pieces you could have one scene in this giant lavish ballroom where couples in elegant dresses promenade through and you know, drink fancy wine and eat fancy food and then cut without any kind of break to a scene in a dirty little hovel with wooden walls where a couple meagerly scrape, scrape together you know a piece of moldy bread to try and feed their whole family that that level of duality which is so kind of prevalent through steampunk i think would be it, it's almost required You know, like for a show of this style. Yeah, to have both. But luckily, since we trust this team so much, either if if they choose one or the other, it's still going to look gorgeous, if that makes any sense. Oh, totally, 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 totally. (laughs) Then uh, Christian emailed in and said, Joss said this is the most ambitious story he's ever told. What do you think that means? A slayer who fights demons and the universe he created in Buffy is pretty ambitious. How can he out-ambition himself? Another wonderful question. Thanks so much, Christian. That's what I keep going to myself is because I'm super biased, but Buffy the Vampire Slayer is my favorite TV show ever. Um, I think the whole premise of a slayer is just genius. And... That show, even though they don't have half as big of a budget, obviously, as they do now, is so incredibly epic, not only in the battles and the fights, but all the inner inner things that all the characters had to go through. So I would almost say most ambitious story almost means in scope, in the sense of 
maybe he means literally because of like how much budget and how much time he's going to have because again this seems like a big budget film but if there's how many episodes maybe like 10 it's almost like 10 films in a way i almost think that's what he's talking about in that sense like if there if since it's going to be a group of women that all have superpowers and it's almost going to be like 10 films in a way already that's the most ambitious story he's ever told it's almost like avengers times 10 in a way mm. that's that's my take on it just because i'm so biased to loving buffy uh in my head there's nothing that could be more ambitious however uh what do you think take <laughs> I would have to agree. I think one of Joss's real strengths is his ability to take these insane situations and then tell a very human story within them. And I'm I'm guessing slash hoping in the Nevers, when he says it's the most ambitious project, as you said before, I think he's talking more in size and scope than in any kind of real terms. Because I'm guessing while it's going to be quite a large story involving secret organizations and magical powers and probably at least one apocalypse it is just weird after all the core of the story will hopefully still be very personal and from what i'm reading a quite modern despite its classical kind of uh, victorian roots yeah. we're very clever fans already i like it i love it too yeah, a last comment, not really a question, but from Berger Bowie, or Bowie, depending on how you lean, on Twitter, commented, high schoolers fighting vampires? Sounds stupid. Confederate veterans in space? Stupid. Sci-fi brothel? Stupid. Victorian women with superpowers? I've learned my lesson. Show me what you got, Joss and Jane. <laughs> really a Again. Question, a good comment. Again, I love that because, and we kind of briefly talked about it, Joss takes ideas and just makes them unique in his own take on it. But I love how Burger Bowie, that's how I'll say it, I'll pronounce it. Um, I love how they laid it down. In a sense, yes, high, school, high schoolers fighting vampires sound stupid, Confederate veterans in space, stupid, right? But Victorian women with superpowers, that doesn't sound stupid. So already, in a way, just the basic concept already sounds cooler than Joss's other projects. Doesn't mean it'll, it's better already. It's just an interesting way to look at it. Like Joss doesn't already have to sell the concept. It kind of sells itself in a way that you don't even question if it's going to be good or not, if that makes any sense. No, it makes total sense. That's actually, that's a great way to look at it. I hadn't really thought of it that way. But it's like his his ideas were always quite out there and quite outlandish, but actually in comparison, Victorian women with superpowers, it's like, yeah, instantly I'm there. Say no more. That even gets me even more excited than I already was. And it's, it's obviously a concept we probably already thought about, but looking at it like that, man, like there, there, there's almost nothing standing in the way already of how cool this concept is. It's almost honestly, almost like, Joss is the Avengers in the sense of, oh, Joss is directing an Avengers film? Okay, sign me up. Like, there's, there's, no, there's no doubt, you know? Indeed. I mean, when I first heard he was writing and directing Avengers, I was like, I've already pre my tickets. I'm done. I right. mean, and same thing. <laughs> when I heard the concept for this show, I was like, yeah, 
of course that who else could come up with that it's going to be amazing that's some pretty great questions we've had there and i can't wait to hear any more um thank you all if you're listening for tuning in and thank you gina for pink pudding with my rambling of course so if you if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Gina Gemini. Gemini is spelled G-E-M-E-N-I, so an E in the middle. And I will definitely be uh, tweeting my thoughts of any news or anything Joss Whedon related. So feel free to follow me. I do not have social media because I am not social. But if you want to hear me rambling, feel free to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And rate us so that everyone can know how awesome we are. If you have any questions like the three we listened, listened, read out above, feel free to send them to theneverspodcast at gmail.com and we may read them on the next episode. So again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. As you can see, we are incredibly excited about this journey ahead of us. Like Take said earlier, hopefully it will last years and years. And I believe that's our lot for the week. I look forward to speaking to you all again on The Nevers Podcast. This episode of the Nevers Podcast was researched, produced, and edited by Matthew Yamanashi. We are more than just a podcast. We're a fan community. You can keep up to date on the Nevers and chat with other fans by visiting hbothenevers.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search HBO The Nevers, all one word, and click that follow button.